0: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Inside Communications on Bartholomew Town is presented by Half Street Group, who bring a new generation's perspective to leadership communications, strategic public relations, and digital marketing. Half Street helps organizations and leaders take control of their own stories and manage their reputations. They get results for their clients by focusing on audience, message, and culture, and by leveraging their decade-long relationship with media and opinion leaders in the Ocean State and throughout New England. Learn more at halfstreetgroup.com. Mike Rea, Happy New Year. I guess it's a little late to say that according to Larry David's rules, but we're going to say it No, anyway. I think you get
1: until January 15th. Happy New Year. All right,
0: buddy. well, let's keep it going as long as we can. So here we are. It's Inside Communications presented by Half Street Group. Half Street's founder and president, Mike Rea, joins us each month for a look behind the scenes at. Really everything, communications, strategic public relations. And, you know, it is that time of year. The state of the state is upon us. The governor, Governor McKee, will be delivering the state of the state on Tuesday, the 16th. We'll be there. Bartholomew Town will be there. We'll broadcast uh, right after the, st- the, um, the speech and offer a little bit of insight and analysis from a policy standpoint. But this is this is a big deal. This is a practical tone setting, agenda setting, priority authorizing moment for the governor It's certainly not a kingdom where he gets everything he wants, though. That's for sure. So you're laying it out. You've written three of these speeches. And I wonder, even just on a basic level, let's start with this concept. What's it like right now for the governor's team as they're preparing for this speech? Oh man! So the I I don't envy them. Um,
1: this is in in some ways probably the the hardest and longest week they'll have all year. Um, maybe short of the 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 final week of session where there's just a lot of uncertainty of what's going to pass and and what's the final budget going to look like. Um, but this is all hands on deck, um, and and the, the the if you're following the governor's communications team on on Twitter, I've I've certainly started to see some of their behind the scenes tweets and some of the stuff that they're they're putting out there, but. I'd, I'd say we're recording this on a Friday. Um, they're probably finalizing the speech today. They're locking it. They're doing their fact checking. They're making sure that they've got um, all of the right footnotes in the version that they'll send out to to press. Um, I'd imagine that the, the the teleprompter has arrived at the state house uh, earlier this week, and that the the, the team is leading the governor in, in rehearsal and, and you know, looking at the opportunity to be able to you know, help him get more comfortable with certain sections or, or transitions. Um, I know when I was doing these, we would it, it was um, probably two, three months before the state of the state, I'd have the whiteboards delivered into my office and I'd start putting ideas up on there. Um, but I would all always look forward to that Teleprompter coming into my office because it would always come, we would have it set up downstairs in, in my office, and Governor Raimondo would come in starting the Thursday before the speech. Getting comfortable, making sure that the font was the right size, making sure that the that the the technician was rolling it at the right speed so that she didn't feel like she was getting lost in it. And it's like that nuance behind the scenes before you even get into any of the substance um, is a huge, huge part of getting comfortable. So I think that's one of the things that they're they're getting ready for. But it's an all, like I said, it's an all hands on deck. So you've got the team that's doing the speech prep, but then you've also got the team that's putting together all of the social media. I'm sure you've got the team that's going to be putting together um, all of the the pre roll interviews and the 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 material that they try to get out to their supporters and 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 uh, and it's it's an exciting time. It's one of those those opportunities where the communications team inside the executive branch really takes charge for a a period of time and is giving kind of the, the kind of quarterback direction to the policy team, the political team. Um, And there's a, uh, uh, and it's inside baseball, because like, let's be honest, this is not like a governor state of the state, as much as I would have loved to have felt as though every person in Rhode Island was watching it. It's not getting NFL
0: Sunday yeah. night football. There's numbers. no stealth flyovers uh, beforehand or anything like that. You know, with the, uh, no, but, the there's no blimp no, over but, the statehouse? No, but you do get a lot of pomp and circumstance
1: with Rhode Island National Guard yeah. and, and the and, and the uniforms and, and the and, and the applause lines coming in. Um but there is a, with that excitement inside the team, I think. A part of that is because the state of the state or the state of the union, or if you look at from the corporate side, a kind of annual earnings report or an all staff meeting, these provide an opportunity more than any other time in the year to be able to look ahead to the future with clear, clear optimism. You're able to say, these are the things that we work together, we're going to be able to accomplish. And there, you're not necessarily encumbered by the oh that didn't work before or that's going to be too expensive. That beca- that comes two or three days later. But in that moment in time, you really get to show and tell the story internally because that's one of your key audiences: like your cabinet, your staff, your colleagues in in the legislature. Or if you're take the example of this, if if you take like a state of the state for for nonprofit, your board, your staff, your team, your donors, you get to show them your vision. You get to show them what your uh, articulation of leadership is. And people like that. It's exciting. It's why opening day in Major League Baseball is kind of this feeling of euphoria where everybody is undefeated. and it sets a tone and sets an agenda. And I think that's like me, The that, that's like the Sam Seaborn-esque right. version of why this is exciting. But I think on a practical level, what a good state of the state does is, or a good state of the union does, or a, a good kind of look ahead corporate presentation does, is it gives clear direction in a clear framework to everybody that's a part of your team, whether they're staff, whether they're managers, whether they're on the political side, supporters, it gives them a a clear understanding and a clear framework of how to be able to talk about, promote, articulate and educate people about the things that matter to your organizational mission. And I buy it. Like I, I saw Scott McKay tweeted last week something about how has anyone ever given one of these states of the state and said that the future wasn't bright and that the that they weren't doing a great job? And probably not. Right. Like let's be candid. Like it's your opportunity to be able to frame the 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 work that you've been doing, but it is still in impor- done right. It's still a very, very important moment in any executive leaders governing practice because of that opportunity to be able to show a vision, because of that opportunity to be able to connect different themes of how government or an organization works. Um, And it also becomes an opportunity to be able to include other people in that story, I think like Ronald Reagan was the one who started doing this, where he brought in the personal anecdotes and put them up in the second floor of the the Capitol and was able to point to them. Um, and it's become a bit of a tired trope in any of these, but there is a I, I can't tell you how many people that I talked to when I wrote these for, for governor Raimondo and I wrote the 2017, 2018, 2019 state of the state that she delivered. So that was the 2017 was when we introduced the, the the Rhode Island promise scholarship. Uh, 2018 was the let's keep going, which is kind of a masked, uh, speech to announce her reelection campaign. Um, and then 2019 was the last non COVID, um, ones of these um and and that one really gave the kind of sense of here's everything we did in the first term and this is what we're going to do in our second term Mm -hmm. um the in in writing these i got to talk to so many individual rhode islanders who were taking part in new initiatives that the administration put forward or whose challenges or stories of turbulation prior to different initiatives going into place became characters in in these speeches. And sure, it's an easy trope to write off. It's an easy speech writing crutch done poorly, but done well. It's a way to bring real people into the priorities that an administration is 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 putting forward, um, and I think that's something that I'm always excited for the, when when I watch these. And, and I'm a geek, so like I'll watch Wes Moore's in Maryland. I'll watch um, the I'll watch and stream Brett Smiley's when he does the state of the city in in, in a couple of weeks yeah. because I I'm a student of an in in interested party in seeing how people do these, um, and I do always look for those because those gonna kind of individual vignettes because, and maybe this is just like waxing nostalgic on, on some of it, but that is why people run for office. That is why people get into public service. And if you're not able to tell a progress story or you're not able to tell a, make a case of uh, theory of governance
0: without connecting to personal stories, what the hell are you doing there? Very well said. You know, and it's something about, I know we're not going to get too deep into the weeds here on a a Friday ahead of the the speech itself, but something I'm really looking for from the governor this year is, I think it was last year, well, two years ago, they began the speech with a mic turned off, so let's make sure the mic's on for the duration of the speech, but the...
1: That's don't, don't, don't point the finger at them on that. That's uh, that's, on that's, a that's a difficult, that's a difficult room to, to be able to get the sound uh,
0: set up. In. No doubt. No doubt. It's, it's sort of an inside joke of sorts, but hopefully he did a good job navigating it. But, but, but truly, you know, just really that direct message to the people of Rhode Island without, you know, Hey, go to this website, go to rhodeisland Island, 2030.com. And then you can find out what we're talking about. How can you succinctly sell, bring more people into your world, so to speak, and using the, the, the characters in in his existing world, get more buy-in, get more people to understand, hey, this is what this guy is all about, and this is where he's going. Hop in if you're interested. And I'm hoping that that's the direction it goes kind of to the point that you made of building characters and using this as a pure priority setter with almost no extra work on the part of the person who's receiving the speech it's right there in front of you it's succinct and you know what this is all about when it, in terms of, of of McKee world
1: totally and and the things what's really difficult in writing some of these speeches is being able to condense it like it's a 30 minute speech that seems like a long time 30 minutes is really not enough time to be able to hit on Everything that you've accomplished, everything that you set out to do, and everything that you kind of face as kind of an existential pressure on the 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 approach that you and your governing team is is going to take. And I think you hit it on the head of making this speech accessible, and that's what we always, what I always tried to do. And and it's something too that I I actually I, I give the governor's team and I give the governor a lot of credit for that he does have a very approachable tone to his you kind know, of public speaking I I don't I the that the, it I think in our head we all have this like and I'll use another West Wing reference we all have this like Jed Bartlett idea of what we want an executive leader standing behind a podium to sound like and the reality is Aaron Sorkin doesn't write speeches for real people um, the but Governor McKee sounds like a Rhode Islander he sounds like a person who knows where the all max used to be. Um, and I think he uses that to his advantage in some of these kind of presentations, um, in writing the speeches, it's so difficult. You like know, I was saying to be able to, to, you know, what you leave on the floor what gets cut, what doesn't get included. And one of the things that we used to do, and this is like super, super nerdy inside baseball on it. There were a handful of times that I would have reporters saying to me, well, you didn't talk about this, or you didn't talk about that, or you didn't explain how, how this new policy was going to roll out. We had 97 footnotes in the first state of the state that we wrote, specifically because we were able to use those footnotes to be able to give the additional context, and we used the oration. We used the opportunity from the podium to be able to speak in terms or speak in language that people were going to be able to comprehend and people were going to be able to digest. The regular Rhode Islanders, the everyday Rhode Islanders who tune in for this or who are going to read about it the next day in the paper are not policy wonks. They're not individuals who want to pull out and read full white papers. They they want to know, how are your policies going to improve my kid's school? How are your policies going to help me earn more money? How are they going to improve my roads? How are they going to make sure that the air and the water is clean? That's what they care about. And they want to be able to understand it, and they want to be able to to regurgitate it or or repeat it to their community in their their network. Um, so, I think if you're the, the the kind of policy nerd looking to get a uh, kind of theoretical understanding of how housing funding formulas are going to work, the state of the state's not the thing to tune in for. Um, but if you're somebody who wants to be able to see what is the the governor or the administration's approach to solving the homelessness crisis at a high level, this is the opportunity that they have to be able to do that.
0: It's a great insight, great analysis. And, you, you know, I, I love the fact that you 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 really hit it on the head from my standpoint of, of how McKee should approach this speech and buy into the fact that he's that Rhode Island guy he knows where the Almax is. He knows how to communicate to the random Rhode Islander. And that's his strength. It always has been. It'll be interesting to see if they play into that in 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 depth going forward. Because I think sometimes they reach for something beyond who he is naturally. And you can kind of that's the moment when you go, well, wait a minute. This isn't who this doesn't feel authentic his authentic self does connect with a certain audience and that audience is really just the regular Rhode Islander. So, um, excellent insight. So legislative communications, when it comes to social impact groups, corporate groups, what can they take from that concept that you just laid out in terms of what makes an effective state of the state, state of the union, general address, and in general, just kind of communicate to their world, but then also communicate on a legislative level, what their priorities are?
1: Yeah, I, I one of the things that I have seen over the years is, and this time of year, it's like the legislative session's back, and, and and I know this this podcast probably isn't going to be as appealing to the broader audiences as some of the others because we're talking about that inside five hundred or or that gang of five hundred as Ian Donis refers to it oftentimes yeah. in, in the statehouse. But that said, there is a really significant need for organizations that are looking to drive an agenda to think inside and outside the building, outside the inside and outside the Statehouse. There is an army of highly effective, dedicated, thoughtful government affairs specialists in Rhode Island. They work inside that building. They are effective messengers for their clients in a direct messaging capacity to legislators or legislative staff. But for a lot of things, that's often not enough. I think if you're trying to play defense or if you're you're trying to, if you if your legislative agenda is largely just trying to protect the, a status quo, and, and, and I don't use status quo in a, in a derogatory term. I think for some industries or for some organizations, the things that are working should continue working and, and change for the sake of change is probably not a great idea. But if you're a entity or you're, you've got an interest in pushing an agenda, shaping an agenda, um, bringing new ideas, putting outside pressure on that system is a place that you need to be able to look. And, and that's where marrying a highly effective government relations strategy with a highly effective public relations and public affairs strategy is creates a, an incredible, incredible return on investment. Yeah. Um, and what I'm talking about there is working with a a PR professional, and it could be an in-house PR professional, it could be subcontracting it out to an agency, Um, it helps put outside pressure on decision makers by creating a more informed and better educated constituency. Um, You're communicating, and in many ways, I think if you look at the success of the, the housing conversation over the last six years, it's largely been because of the outside pressure the PR game and the the um, stakeholder grass tops engagement or grassroots engagement that everyone from large established practitioners like crossroads and one neighborhood building not, but one neighborhood builders who are both clients of ours as well as the more traditional advocates were able to do over a period of time and i i don't think that there's anyone who disputes that housing is not the number one policy priority in the legislature for now the third year in a row definitely there is no question in my mind housing is going to be section one two or two b of the governor's state of the state most likely um and it has been for each of the other two states of the state that he's delivered um and that's been like we've talked about in the past, largely because of that public education that some of these groups have done. Yep. The other thing that that PR approach does is, and and I can't tell you how many legislators have said exactly this phrase to me over the 10 years that I've been in Rhode Island. When you're able to place stories, when you're able to create a uh, a conversation that happens beyond that gang of 400, you provide what legislators call air cover for them to be able to pursue that policy agenda or to dig deeper into it. It's not something that comes completely out of the blue and has other members scratching their head or other stakeholders trying to understand why is this going to be there. So that, that combination of you're putting pressure on the system, but you're also giving the, the the folks that are going to drive those policy changes inside the building, the support and the backing that they need because there's been a publicly reported groundswell of support. And it doesn't take a ton because these 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 folks in the state house will tell you, if four or five, if they get four or five constituent calls, it feels like 70 or 80. So... Getting that story in the Providence Journal, holding the press conference that turns into something that Steve Clampkin puts on the news break on WPRO, getting Dan McGowan to include it in a McGowanism at the top of Roadmap, those are all things that help drive that proactive agenda that are complementary to what a contract lobbyist or what a government affairs specialist is going to be able to do
0: for you. Extremely well said. By the way, McGowanism- now that's what I'm talking about right there. That's the, uh, that's the next level of insight that we're looking for. Um, you know, what's, what's interesting just, just I know, I know we're, we're kind of getting close to wrapping here, but I, I, I love the way that you frame. And this is something that I've, I've thought about a lot. And we've even talked about a lot, which is that gang of 500, the inside baseball and opening it up to a larger audience, because short, sure, there are a lot of people who don't, don't even vote. They couldn't maybe even tell you that the governor is certainly not the Speaker of the House. But there's a large contingent. I'm certain there's a lot of Rhode Islanders out there and probably in every state, but certainly in Rhode Island. There's a lot of people who want a little bit more access just to the information about what happens on the inside because they care about these problems. You mentioned housing. Mm-hmm. Conversations about housing happen at every coffee shop, kitchen table, restaurant, bar, event, based little league game. These things are happening. And the more informed that people are about what is actually occurring in terms of moving forward beyond just what what Clampkin or McGowan or Donis or Nisi put out is I think that's a really healthy thing for democracy. And it's something that we should strive for. And legislators can communicate more directly to in a way that seems like they're speaking to the inside baseball crowd, but they're actually speaking to one or two layers out because that layer exists and they're underserved. You're
1: exactly right.
0: There's people, Brett Smiley used to always say this before he
1: was running for mayor, and then it became a little bit of a theme in his his, run. People want to take pride in where they live. And that shows up in different ways. For some people, it means showing up to the, the, the community or the town hall meeting and giving testimony. For others, it means being an informed constituent to be able to know what they're voting for when they're going there. But for a lot of people, it just means they want to know that the things that are important to them are also important to the people who are making decisions for them. And if you're an organization that is doing anything that is people-focused, And that doesn't mean you have to be a nonprofit, uh, social impact-minded organization. If you're running a business, if you're an industry leader, if you're a Fortune 100 corporation, you're in the people business, and you want to make sure that the agenda, that the people that you're serving, whether it's your employees, your customers, your vendors, whomever it is, that the things that are important to them also need to be important to the people who are setting a policy agenda. And that's done by making sure that you're putting, again, that outside pressure to be able to create a more educated population and that air cover for legislators or council members or other, or, or members of the executive branch to be able to enact or make progress on those things that, that are articulated as progress points or priorities.
0: Mike Rea, this is Inside Communications. If you want that kind of insight and analysis for your own organization, for your own personal brand, whether it's on an advice level, a one-off level, a recurring basis, halfstreetgroup.com, you'll get it for yourself. Sir, thanks as always.
1: Thanks, Bill. Can't wait till next month.